I never told no one that. My whole life I've been holding back. Every time I load my gun up so I can shoot for the stars, I hear a voice like, who do you Well, good morning, everybody. Another day, another dollar. Another one of my favorite episodes of my favorite podcast, What If It Did Work? I have a power couple here for this week's episode. Paul Stafford and Miranda Phillips, both formerly educated as physicians, transitioned, probably have to change that word these days, from full-time medical practices to multifamily real estate investing in 2017. Paul balances his time between being a part-time orthopedic surgeon and an active multifamily investor who's also dedicated to assisting and educating fellow physicians and busy professionals about multifamily investing. He shares his expertise and knowledge through the educational platform, Elite Wealth and Wellness. Empowering others to embark on their own investment journeys in 2020, Miranda retired from her role in the trauma emergency room to the focus on real estate investing, while also creating a lifestyle and longevity medical practice. Together, they have passive investments in over 8,000 doors and serve as co-general partners for more than 2,800 doors. Well, congratulations on that, guys. How's it going? Yeah, thank you. Good morning. Good morning. So. That's pretty impressive, but when did you guys decide? Because usually speaking to doctors, because my my former business partner, my ex-wife, was a pharmaceutical sales rep many, many moons ago. And she always told me that when it came to investing, when it came to doctors are so focused that they're great at whatever their specialty is, unless they're a general doctor. And everything else, when it comes to like either their health or even basic investing much less real estate investing and having all those doors like what 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 brought that like what what was the starting point for you guys did, was it like did you guys read rich dad poor dad or what was the basis the, the origin yeah, yeah i would say she i think she'd probably agree that i agree with everything you said and we were we were those physicians you know we were so focused for so many years I think that's what gets us all into troubles and challenges because you give up everything else and you, you have your blinders on. And that was us for sure. And we didn't know a thing about it. I think in short, what got us there was enough pain. You know, I think I always say people can change by choice or they can change by pain. And and we we were the latter. You know, we um, we were grinding it out, working 70, 80 hours a week each. And we had young kids and we, we just slowly, insidiously got away from us. And so we began having enough pain that we had to make a change. Do you agree? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think that that's kind of the most, from, from my perspective, that seems to be the thing that really causes change in the most effective manner is whenever the pain is bad enough, <clears throat> whether it's running from a fear or running from the pain that you're currently having in your current situation. And so that was certainly us. You know, the only thing that could really overcome our passion for medicine, I think, was a deep enough pain. And so that's what motivated us. Yeah, because believe it or not, even I remember going to dinners and most doc, even special doctors that were special specialized, because general, oh my gosh, they're like, run for the hills. I tell my kids right off the bat. Do not become a doctor. Do not, and and that that's very that's very telling because it, or you know things weren't like it it should be or it was like 20, 30 years and and this was, gosh, this was back in my the last time she was a pharmaceutical sales rep was around two thousand one. So I'm sure 
all these years later, it's it's just compounding after compounding where uh, it well the, the the system's broken too. So that 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 doesn't and I'm, eighty hours a week and having children that how'd you guys balance that? Did did you guys have other people like your your mom or dad or just the grandparents helping out? raise your yeah it was it was definitely a struggle but it it didn't happen all at once so we kind of adjusted over time and and we were working different shifts so we'd pass each other like she'd be going to work and i'd be coming back from work and you know we just you figure it out and but but we finally finally snapped and we realized this is not what we signed up for so so it was the pain that got us for sure yeah pain pain's the best motivator that's why literally people go to a workshop or they go to a seminar Motivation, yeah, it works, but unless you're in that environment every single day, you know, the rah, 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 and getting in a peak state, that only gets you so far. It, if you're still comfortable, it's like it's like if you guys were like just dissatisfied with working and not being able to spend time together, see your children grow, be like, yeah, one day, one day. But you guys took that massive action, that ma- massive leap because you guys were like, this sucks. And the pain kept on compounding and time goes by fast. I mean, my, my daughters are 17 and 15. And I, I remember as toddlers, I being an entrepreneur, there was times that I, I feel your pain. So I, I completely understand. Was there someone that told you that, Hey, there's a better way, or did you guys go find it yourself? Or was there like a, a seminar or a book that got you guys to change your mindset? Yeah, that's that's another challenge, I think, for all physicians and busy professionals when you're in the grind, like nobody around us was doing anything different. So, you know, you're never going to escape that herd when you're in the middle of it. So we, we had enough pain and we started talking and just by chance, if she had been to one of her medical group, her group had a conference and somebody had mentioned that they were doing some investing in I don't know if it was single family homes or something small, but they just sparked an awareness that we hadn't thought about. And so she came back from that and mentioned it um, and that got us going. So then we started educating and looking and searching, but so it really wasn't anybody in our immediate environment that that was doing it. Well, Well, your circle of influence were probably what other doctors. So it wasn't like anybody was like, Oh, you know what? I just, I just, cause you know, we are who we we hang out with, and if you hang out with other professionals, uh, uh, other surgeons, other doctors, they're not going to know about real estate investing or passive income or anything like that. So it, it wasn't like I'm sure you guys went to dinner and go, you know what? I, I just read this amazing book on real estate investing, or maybe we should all take a program. Now, when you guys started doing that, and you guys started taking steps back. And not working 80 hours, 90 hours, were, was there any brushback? Was there any, like, any of your colleagues or them saying, you know, this is crazy. I don't know what you're doing. You're, this is suicide. You, you, this is professional suicide. You guys are going to regret it. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I think that that, that did happen. We started backing down slowly. We, we, you know, we had some education time and we got in a network of people. So we surrounded ourselves by, pe- by people thinking differently. And then we 
pretty quickly took action and got invested passively first and started some passive income coming in. And as we started doing that, and I think I started backing down first, but just you know, back in the hours of the number of days I was working down and it did draw attention. And it's funny you say that, you know, my partners in my group, you know, after the fact now tell me when they're looking back, like, we really thought you were losing it, you know, back there four or five years ago when you were talking about this, you know, they didn't understand it and it was foreign to them and they saw what we were doing and they, they thought we were on the wrong track. You know, our old financial advisors told us the same thing. They, they kind of harshly advised us, like, you guys are doing the wrong thing. This is risky. You're going to lose everything, you know, so we had a lot of headwinds to overcome for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, congratulations. Cause usually most people take bad advice. It's, it's not that our, our peers, our support group, our family, our friends want anything bad. It's just, they don't know any better. So exactly. no, no harm, no foul. Now I got, I got to ask you because you did put this down as a question to, to ask, and I usually don't, but I was going to ask eventually, what is Elite Wealth and Wellness, and why did you start the company? This is your yeah, own for, company, correct? Yes, yes, for sure. Yeah, I can probably take the start of it, then I handed it over to Amanda, but we, you know, this this whole path we took, and we just diverted from the normal physician's path, and it so has so drastically changed our lives. Our lives now look nothing like they did you know, six, seven years ago. Um, and it's, and it, I mean, that was purposeful. We, we quality of our lives are so much better now. We've created passive income. We've been able to focus on our family, focus on our health. We still, you know, I still work part-time in surgery because I enjoy that part of it, but, you know, we've gotten control of our lives. And so as we, people started asking us what we were doing, you know, we first started trying to sit down individually with one-on-one and trying to explain. And we quickly realized that if we want to help the most people that we need to formalize this get some education content down so we can make other people aware and then show them the strategies we use. So it was, you know, showing the mindset, show them the strategies. And so we also recognize that, you know, the wealth is not, it's not the end goal. The goal is what it provides you, which, you know, is the life and the, you know, the time for your family, your health and all these things. And so that's where the wellness part came in. And, and that actually is where Miranda has tackled the lifestyle and longevity medicine, which is, you know, a whole other piece of it. If you want to speak to that. Yeah, you know, whenever we were feeling the most pain, you know, I had come to a place in my career where you know, I'd taken on probably a little more than than what I should have, but uh, it was certainly very eager to keep learning and growing, and I loved new challenges, and so I had multiple leadership roles and directorships, and was still a full time ER doctor as well. And as my, you know, our kids were growing up, and of course, my desire was to spend more time, you know, with family and you know, the kids kind of get to a point when they're real little, they're not necessarily asking where you're at, you know, but they get to an age that when you're not home on Christmas morning or Thanksgiving, and they're kind of like, you know, why, why do you have to go? Why can't you be here with me? Like all the other mommies and daddies. Right. And so I really started feeling that pain pretty badly. And so the combination of, of this implicit knowledge that I had my priorities a little upside down, you know, inverted, if you will. And the fact that I had taken on so much that I was literally sleeping for two to three hours a day during a 24-hour period, usually in a call room at the uh, in the basement of the hospital during daylight hours. And so I, as you could imagine, whenever you're running that crazy and you're that stressed out and you're not getting family time, you're not getting sleep, you're not able to eat healthy, none of these things, 
you know, your body physically will go through changes. You know, this is what happens to us as we age. And what I understand now is I was in a deeply accelerated aging process just because of what I was putting my body through. And so I needed to recover myself. And so whenever I gave notice, you know, and told them that I was going to go ahead and depart, um, you know, I mean, I was still in my mid thirties. And so people were like, what are you crazy? Like what in the world is wrong with you? You know, why are you leaving? Like you've got all these leadership roles and you're a great doc and like, what is wrong? And so no one could really fully understand it. It was difficult for me to explain as well. So, you know, once I left, I started doing my research, started trying to figure out, you know, what is it that creates a fulfilled and healthy life? How do I optimize my health? you know, physically, mentally, spiritually. And then, you know, what is it that fulfills humans? Like, how do we reach our happiness? What's that peak in life? And what does it look like? How do you get there? Because, you know, decades ago, my dream was to become a physician. Like that was the pinnacle to me. Like once I become a physician, life is going to be amazing because I've achieved my dream. Um, But that's not exactly the way it played out. And so I was in in search of, you know, what is it? What am I looking for? What's going to make me the happiest and fulfill me the most? So Long story short, I recovered myself first and realized that there was an entire specialty around that, just the study of it and conducting experiments, you know, human trials and and animal studies and even the labs, the PhD guys in the labs, you know, there were studies already being done about all of this. And so that's where I discovered lifestyle medicine as a specialty and then ultimately got board certified in lifestyle medicine and then, you know, created a practice with two other partners of mine. We created a practice that, you know, now we actually get to help others. We educate them and help them understand how to take control of their life and understand what are those metrics that we look for, you know, whenever you're trying to achieve your optimal health and your optimal happiness. Taking control of your life. If that's powerful. And what what's amazing is you guys are so evolved because usually when because everybody has has that goal but and success without fulfillment like what anthony robbins says is the ultimate failure now on the outside people are like oh you guys arrived you guys both are living your dreams you guys both wanted to be be physicians a lot of people also believe cuz i did for so many years was money Let's chase money and that'll create happiness. And it, it never does. You're like, okay. It's like you you guys were making money, but you weren't enjoying each other. You weren't enjoying your children. You, the time flies that as, as you can see, especially when you have children, you just look at them and you can see how time time just doesn't stand still. But but yet you guys took that step back and said this isn't working and that that's that's a beautiful thing because most people don't most most people have this if then they'd be like well miranda should be happy because if she becomes a physician then she'll be happy if paul and miranda start making even more money then they'll be happy and that's why when you you said that taking control of your life because if if your mind your body your spirit if everything's not aligned then is that success and that that's why a lot of people are just down now yeah did you guys 
No, go ahead, Paul. Sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say it's it's really, I think, you know, for better or for worse, really for better for us, it just the pain has to get bad enough. We we talk with a lot of other physicians, especially young physicians, and we know because we were there, when the pain is not enough, it just doesn't inspire anybody to move, you know, and so they they get complacent. I think a lot of physicians and busy professionals, you're right, that you know, they they're not uncomfortable enough. And so they're complaining about their life, but it's not bad enough that they take action. So yeah, that, that helped us get moving. Well, comfort kills more dreams and more people than anything. And it, that's why you'll see people, they addicted to dopamine, even on a higher level. Oh, well, I, I keep on going to all these seminars. I keep on going to business seminars. I keep on going to these personal development seminars. And it's like, okay, so are you taking any action? Yeah, eventually, eventually. And it's just like what you said, the pain, pain is a gift. Also starting from the bottom. Yeah. That most redemption stories, you don't hear a person going, yeah, you know, everything was great. And I just woke up and dissatisfied. And I realized <laughs> I just needed to change a little and tweak my life. No, every success story comes from pain, comes from either a lot of pain, which you guys were like, this sucks. You know, we're, we're missing our kids on Thanksgiving, on Christmas. We're not seeing each our, our definition of seeing each other is like, oh, hey, honey, I'm going back. I'm going in while, you know, one's leaving, one's one's coming in. It, it just didn't work. And that's why, you know, your story, you said it best. It's all about pain. And that's why when people are like, Oh my gosh, I hit rock bottom. Usually you have to read it on a social media post because we have to post our lives. Okay, congratulations. God, the universe gave you a gift. Now it's your opportunity to show the world, show more importantly yourself and your family. It's time to get up and move it. Yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned earlier about Rich Dad Poor Dad. I, I tell the story sometimes, you know, I, I had that book given to me right when I finished my training like before I started. And I read it and I put, it was literally on this bookshelf back here. And I didn't, I mean, it just right over my head. Nobody was doing it. It didn't make any sense to me. Like not a real estate investor. I don't need to buy single family homes. And I put it back on the shelf. And then fast forward 14 years later, and this is when we're having our pain. And she came home and she said, yeah, this guy's doing some investing. And he told me about this book. And I said, I've got that book. And I went, walked back in there and it was on my shelf, hadn't been open for 13 years. We read it again. Like now we feel the pain. Now it's time to move. So it just, it spoke to me again that, you know, you just can't give people that motivation. They've got to find it. Well, it's funny. The first time I, I read it, it, it was like right when it, it blew up, it was bestseller. And I read it and like the masses, oh, this is just, they make it sound like it's too easy, but who's going to fix that toilet? You know, the, the, the usual on why we can't go into real estate. Right. Oh, that's what if, what if they duck and run and I'm, I'm, I'm held with the note. Oh, this guy doesn't know. It's, it's like all, all the, you know, we always focus on the worst case scenarios. We always focus on why we shouldn't. So that's, that's crazy. Let me stay here, be miserable. And I won't take action because, oh, that that's for, that's too good to be true. That's for someone else. I don't have that luck. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> now, now, do you think that's the reason why most people loved 
and they'll be like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to start investing in real estate. I'm, I'm going to my sixth seminar or oh, I, I keep on reading all these books. I'm, I'm getting ready to take action and they don't. Is, is that fear that, or is it just there's lack of pain to push them towards that? I think it depends on who you're talking to. Cause like in our circle, as you pointed out, We've always been around physicians, right? Like, you know, when you're in college, that's when you kind of, most people decide I'm going to be a doctor. And and so you're around pre-meds and then you're around your medical student colleagues and you're around your resident colleagues, then you're attending physician colleagues. And so I think, you know, from our perspective and in our circle, there's two reasons, two main reasons that, you know, physicians don't take action. You know, one of them is, and I'll categorize this together, kind of knowledge and trust you know, they have just a lack of knowledge. They're so focused to your point, right? We're so focused. We've got so much coming at us at one time. And if you're doing your physician work full time and you got no time for anything else, like you have so much like compliance stuff and state regulation stuff, federal regulation stuff, legal, admin, credentialing, taking care of the patient, labs, all of these things coming at you all the time, even when you're not on the clock and seeing the patient that's right in front of you. And so that kind of brings me to my second point, which is time is the other big reason that physicians don't get invested. So it's not not a lack of finances as to why physicians don't get invested, but rather they don't have the time to secondarily get educated and and to develop relationships that are trusting. And so as physicians, you know, one of the things that we're very accustomed to is financial guys coming in front of us saying, Hey, let me help you. You know, you're a busy physician and I'll help you with your finances. And, you know, and, and they're, they're well-intentioned. Absolutely. But as, as a physician, you can imagine whenever you know that you're making a, a nice paycheck, you're working hard for it, but you've got a nice paycheck and you have one right after the other financial advisors coming in, trying to sell their thing to you. You kind of just get this, you develop this, this just kind of like, I don't know who to trust, you know, this is my hard earned money and what are their commissions, but I don't have time to understand their commissions and what are the fees? I don't have time to understand the fees. And so you end up just kind of doing nothing unless you go the, you hit the easy button and your group has, you know, 401k or profit sharing or, or whatever. And so that's easy. And so that's like, okay, yeah, I'm invested. I'm taking half my paycheck and I'm sticking it in the 401k. That's my retirement. That's my investments. Okay. Now I'm just going to stay focused and keep up with the workflow in front of me. And so from my perspective, and and I'm sure you can add to this, dear, but you know, from my perspective, definitely it's a time problem. And it's also a relationship problem of, of who do I trust, you know, and I don't even, I don't know the space. I don't have time to get to know the ins and outs of investing. And so like, I just, I don't trust it. So I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah. I would add to that awareness, you know, for, because I think we were there and most physicians around us were there that just not aware of another way. You're in a fishbowl and you can't see outside of it. And so most of them, you know, just like me, you may have heard about it, but you just don't have time to think about it. So you're not aware, you know, you really feel like you're doing the right thing by putting your money in the 401k and the mutual funds and your annuities and all these traditional routes. And, and you're just not aware that investing in real estate can really change your path. Now, fast forward many years later, your friends, your colleagues, see you successful now are are they all or a good part of them investing with with your company in the elite wealth and wellness or are they still just on the sidelines bitching and moaning about the adr work weeks (laughs) i think there's both you know we've got 
There's both groups. We certainly have, there's a large amount of our friends that were, they did see what we were doing. They asked us questions, you know, they got educated. They did take the time because, you know, I think one of the blessings from my pain was the fact that, you know, I'm in my mid thirties and, you know, some people around me, they would, I'll, I'll say what they said. They said, you're on the fast track to the C-suite. Why in the world would you be leaving what you're doing right now? And that was enough to get attention. And so people really were like, they would come up to me, especially and say, what are you doing? Like, why in the world would you leave this? And it was a great opportunity for me to provide a bit of a testimony of like, listen, there's a whole other world out there. There's a different life you can be living. And so for those who were in the position where they were starting to feel the pain. And I would say this is probably most of the people of our friends and colleagues that now invest with us. They were the ones that were feeling pain and they would come to us and identify with us and say, man, yeah, you know, gosh, I really want to back down, but just can't really afford to back down. And, and, you know, I want to create this nice retirement, but I feel like I need to work more to do that. And so they would come to us identifying with us saying, hey, we kind of feel the same way. Help us understand what you're doing. And granted, they never had the time to understand it to the depth and level that, you know, we do now. But this goes back to the trust thing. They wanted a different life for themselves. They wanted to do something different. They didn't have the time to understand it and go figure it out. But they were our friends and colleagues that we've been in the trenches together, saving lives together. We've been at war, if you will, metaphorically, in you know, a hospital that's being so many patients coming at you all at once. Everyone's critical and needing interventions. And you know, you've got a band together. It has to be a team in that environment. And so in that regard, we had all kind of earned each other's trust. And so it was easier for them to take action without having the full amount of understanding and knowledge that we required before we took action. Yeah, no, agreed. It, it, you know, we kind of became their new circle, somebody who was around them, were doing different things. And that was part of our problem. It's part of everybody's problem is you get complacent in who you surround yourself by. So we kind of, we changed and then the people we were around were able to kind of follow suit. It'd be crazy not to. I mean, if if I was a doctor and, you know, it, it's fine and dandy when you're young and, you know, you're not married or you have children working 80 hours. Every entrepreneur can attest. You have to put in time. You have to put in. But to keep on doing that, your body can't handle that. I'm, I'm pushing 50 soon. And in July, I couldn't see myself saying, well, you know what? I, I think I'm not. I'm going to miss out on my kids graduating high school and just go all all in. So yeah, I mean do it when you're young, but I would have I would have been one of your first adopters if you if you were just like one you you guys were killing it, you guys were crushing it. I'd be like I'd be like Paul, Miranda, let me take you guys out to dinner. I need to know. <laughs> Cuz that that's a everything that you described is is pain because you know if every on the surface because everybody's usually surface level everybody'd be like oh Miranda and Paul they're both surgeons they're living the life they're just rock stars oh we envy them but they didn't see you know they see this they see on the the surface they didn't see all the commitment they didn't they didn't see all the hours you were putting in they they didn't see the the stress, the literal stress that you guys are putting on on your body, and and yeah, Miranda, you you were on the fast track to feeling like a sixty year old, even though you're 
30. And the, the, that's usually we, we all don't believe that. Yeah, we're getting older. Everybody believes that at, at a young age that either they're going to find the fountain of youth or, or, you know, we're, we're all immortal and we're, we're always going to be young and energetic. So yeah. Now do you, you have your friends and family now, how, how do other people, do they just go on your website to find out more information or what's the process? Yeah, they can certainly do that. So people can get on there and we've got, you know, educational videos and things up on there. We've got a course we put together to help people in strategies. But, you know, when people come on the website and get signed up and we, we send out content each week and just small little trickles of education, information, things that we learned along the way. You know, it's like trying to build a cathedral one brick, brick at a time. You just got to take a little bit of data continuously and stay consistent with it. So we try to provide that. We try to send that out to people. And for those who are in the pain and are motivated, you know, just the more information you get, I think it can it can fuel your motivation as you start seeing the light. Yeah. So people can jump on the website, EliteWealthAndWellness.com. And there's plenty of information there. There's certainly a contact us form that people can fill out if they have specific questions or, you know, there's a subscription they can put in their email address and subscribe to get our newsletters and get updated and that sort of stuff. So there's certainly that venue for people that to kind of hear what's going on, but maybe don't have our cell phone numbers right away or direct email addresses. Now to get in, do you have to be an accredited investor? Because I, I know you, you talk about yourselves and physicians and surgeons, usually the you, you need some, you guys are all accredited. Now, can Joe Bob, the, the plumber or, you know, the, the average Joe become part of your system or do they have to work their way up? Yeah. You want to take it? Oh, uh, so yeah. So we actually, most of the investment deals that we do fall under the SEC regulation D, the 506 B, which basically in layman's terms means that we can accept sophisticated investors as well as accredited investors. We just have to have that pre-existing substantive relationship, which means it's got to be more than just, I saw your face once, or we had a superficial conversation, but there has to be a relationship there. And so it's a little easier probably for the accredited investors, just because the requirements for as far as the SEC, they want to protect investors, right? So the SEC says, hey, you know, if you've got plenty of money and it's not a thing to go lose, you know, 50 grand or whatever the amount is, then they have less protective tendencies of those investors. But whenever you don't, then, you know, you can still get into investment deals. They want to see people that don't have that kind of money be able to make that kind of money. But they put the onus on us as the people that would help facilitate them getting into a deal and say, hey, you need to make sure that they're not putting in their last, you know, 50, 75, 100K and make sure it's not their emergency reserves. And to know that information means you kind of have to get to know someone a little bit more than just at face value and find out, you know, what their career is and, you know, what their financial situation is like. And so, of course, investors who are not accredited have to be comfortable sharing some of that information, you know, so that we can make sure we're always compliant with the SEC regulations. But for those people that maybe they're not accredited and they're interested, but they're not ready to have that conversation, that's probably the best place where you, you log on to elitewealthandwellness.com and go ahead and subscribe to our newsletters and just start getting a feel of 
what we're about and what kind of deals we're doing. And then at any point can certainly reach out to us directly to have a phone call and start that substantive relationship. Yeah. And that was one of our reasons for the education piece, you know, to be sophisticated. It's a little bit of a subjective definition, but means either you've got the knowledge and the experience in this particular asset class that the SEC would merit that, you know, you, you're safe to, you're, you're going to be able to make informed decisions. So part of us putting together education was because this is how we help people credited or not, you know, get educated in the space and kind of know what's going on. We felt obligated to do that. So that that's why we put together, you know, more formal education about it all. It's crazy about the SEC. When it comes to crowdfunding, legitimate deals, you have to go through all that. But when it comes to investing in, in great stocks like WorldCom and Planet Hollywood and Enron, and the list goes on and on. Exactly. They, they never ask, is this your last dime? Is this your emergency fund? How, you know, that, that, that you can just buy as many shares as you want. And when it's falling down like a knife, it doubled down and, you know, dollar cost average all the way to zero. That's it. <laughs> and, and this is coming from a former financial advisor. That, that's why, I mean, I'm, I'm actually giving you guys compliments because real estate, you can actually, it, it's actual physical. It's a physical investment. And you, it's not like you can cook the books on, the, you can see that property. But all these amazing companies that at one time were high flyers and people were investing left and right and came out with a nice stock certificate that they could frame and, and talk about. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> yeah, right on. Yeah. Now, what what type of apartment, or is it like um, A rated, B rated on the... It, it's all apartment complexes that you guys invest in, right? Yes, the great Class, majority. Is, yeah, we, we've done all, actually. You know, we started out uh, when we first got started in the Class Cs because that was a lot of value you could add to those. You could increase the, the price of them by increasing the income through all the things you can do on the property to increase income sources. So we started with Cs. Since we got started, we've we've got in our portfolio, we've got A's, B's, and C's. You know, the A's are the this is kind of a soft delineation, but the A's, of course, are the newer ones, you know, probably two mid 2000s and ups. B's are, you know, mid-80s to probably late 90s, and C's are a little older. So we've got some of all in our portfolio and it's they they all have their place. Now for everybody else, you, you want to live in a, a class A apartment complex. That's right. That's where you want to be. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the class C's are like uh, that. Well, I'm a little older than you guys. Uh, Joe Pesci made a movie called The Super, and well, let, let's just say uh, class C's are. It, it's like college and in high school. Just stick, stay away from the C's and try to get your A's. Yeah, it's it's blue collar. You know, it's people who are you know depending on the market. You know, it's people who are in that you know, forty to sixty thousand dollar median income and. You know, they're working, they're working hard and blue collar jobs, but they still need a place to stay. So when we first got started investing, when we, when we first, somebody introduced us and said, Hey, here's a deal you can invest in. And we looked at the place. It was a class C, you know, we, we didn't know, we just assumed it had to be a Taj Mahal, beautiful class A apartment to make money. But, you know, that's part of that mindset and that learning is we learned, came to learn that, you know, the class C's, people still need a place to live. It's just a different scale and different price, but you still can make good money in those deals while providing housing for blue class you know, workers. 
Now you see, Paul, you you told me something right there. Cause my my I would have always thought stay with A's, some B's, because C's a, a lot of people not wanting to pay rent or a lot of people leaving with without and leaving the place enchant. But but these these are all misconceptions then, right? You can clearly make plenty of money off a, a class C apartment. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And uh, there's no question about it. We've got a lot of class C's that are performing very well. Yeah. And, you know, you think about it with class C, with an older asset, sometimes you can make a lot more money because you've got more room to improve the place. So, you know, you have to always have reserves for, because the plumbing's going to be a little bit older, you know, the, the air conditioning and the heating, you know, all of these, the, sometimes electricity there's, uh, you have to pay attention to the type of wiring and all these things that we do as general partners, we kind of deep dive into that to look and see what, what we're getting ourselves into. <clears throat> but a lot of people, you know, we can, we can upgrade some of that stuff, but then whenever we acquire an asset, you know, part of our strategy is we want to try to hedge towards, it's going to be easier to get the upside rather than more difficult. So we're looking for assets that have room for improvement. So we want to find something that, you know, like the class A is all, <clears throat> they have the newer, there's advantages and disadvantages to all the classes, but class A is going to have kind of a newer feel, a newer vibe, less room to be able to improve it versus when you when you acquire an apartment complex where it's mostly blue collared workers, then it's so fulfilling and rewarding to be able to dive into that place and find, you know, faux wood flooring and other things that you can put into that apartment to make it look really nice. I mean, you can make it look very similar to the interior of a class A apartment. And instead of something that looks like it's, you know, 50 years old, that maybe they've been living in. Whenever you bring in investors, you bring in the capital to start doing these upgrades in these units, you can really transform how a person lives. And some of these tenants are so grateful for that because they never envisioned living in something so modernized and nice. And even though the asset might be 40, 50 years old, again, you come in with the right business approach, the right strategies, and you get to like upgrade this you know great apartment and it's not going to be the same price as what it would cost to rent a class A apartment it's affordable for a blue collar worker but i mean they feel like they're kind of living more of a high life and so and, and that of course comes with a bit of a rent bump as you can expect but nothing to the degree of what a class A rent is going to be so it's really a win win situation whenever you know you're in kind of that class C space it can be very fun and rewarding well, with you guys taking over a class C and doing that, talk about being in service. It's not like you guys take over, you you tell the tenants, there's new management, we're we're, we're bumping your rates and nothing's changed. You act you literally talk about empowering these blue collar people by just upgrading. And yeah, you're gonna charge them a little more, nothing drastic. And you actually care about their condition. You want to see them thriving. You want to see happy people. You don't go look at it as, okay, it's we're going to hit you with a rent increase. Damn you guys, because we want the cash flow. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's really amazing how some of these properties, you get transformed because you come in with capital to do that. And, and commonly, the old owners, you know, they're, they don't have the capital to put into it because it can take you know millions of dollars sometimes to transform these places and landscape and exterior painting and you know exterior cleaning up the place then the interior rehabs of the individual units it takes some money to do that so 
you know, coming in with new management and new capital can really transform a property. Now, uh, I mean, that, that's the only type of real estate investing I've, I've done throughout the years is the, the crowdfunding. Now, what's the, the minimum? I, usually it's 100000 sometimes possibly 50000 What's your threshold to get into some of your deals? Yeah, it really depends on the size of the deal. You know, we've, we, I'd say it's from 50 to a hundred, maybe average 75, but you know, plenty, there's been plenty of 50 Ks and really it depends on the size of the deal. If it gets to be a, a bigger deal with many more doors and the cost is more, the, the reason that the minimums go up is just because you don't want to bring as many investors and you don't want to have, you know, 5,000 investors at a hundred dollars a piece. So, oh, so really it's deal, it's the size of the deal dependent. And so this, you know, every deal we look at individually. Now, primarily, are you guys, your properties located in one general area or do you have them clear across the country? Yeah, they are. In general, we like to target growth markets. We're very risk averse in general. Some people, you know, might kind of go after some what we would call maybe tertiary market deals in hopes of getting a bit of a bigger pop. Sometimes they have opportunity to make more money in some of the smaller markets, which we'd call tertiary markets. Um, but in primary markets, there's there's less risk, which is kind of where we're at. You know, we definitely like the less risk. And so what I mean by that is, you know, there's more job opportunities. You know, we've got there's some people that we know that they they mostly stay in kind of primary secondary markets, but they went into a tertiary thinking we'll just uh, we'll just do the one. This will be our risky asset. And sure enough, in this town, there was really just one industry, and that industry took a hard nosedive. Granted, it was transient, but they nosedived, and occupancy fell drastically, and the financials got crushed. And so they were able to pull out of it and survive it. But that's an example of how, like, you know, sometimes getting into a smaller town and buying apartments in a smaller area that doesn't have a lot of diverse industry you can get in trouble if that industry takes a hit. So we like the bigger markets. Primarily, we're invested. Most of our assets are in DFW and Houston, primarily. We've got a couple of one-offs, but they're in up-and-coming markets that, again, there's population growth. There is industry growth. You know, There's just a lot, a lot of factors at play that kind of help us hedge our risk so that our asset doesn't take a huge hit if something crazy happens, if that makes sense, do you want to add? I know, no, I agree. Couldn't say it better. And this is the one that everybody loves to ask: Is this still a good time to invest in real estate? I, I, I clearly know the answer, but it, it, it's the <laughs> is it, with the uncertainty in the market and the rising cost of living and. What, what what other excuse do people use? Oh, the interest rates are rising too. Is now still a decent time to to get involved in real estate? Yeah, I think that's that's a good one to ask and a funny one for us because you know we've learned so much. Uh, we're on the other side of this now that we used to be like I, I tell people in 2008 when that happened and and I was a physician like just getting started. I had no idea there was a recession. I had no idea there was a housing crisis. Like as a physician, I was you know, right here. And so now that we've come to understand this a little bit better, you know, we can see it with a little broader perspective. And we see that you know people, and we see our investors are now, people are scared and they don't want to invest. And I think that's what I've you know, learned from 2008, 2009, but it's the people that got invested 
in properties after that that made the most money because when prices are down and you get in when the market corrects you know those people made a lot of money so so it's it's really a great time you know 18 months ago we were we've been investing all throughout you know but 18 months ago when prices were up you know if you could have had a crystal ball maybe you would have waited until now because now is the best time to get in because prices are down so you can get into these deals for a lot less you know we've seen deals that we're going for 40 million a year ago and now they're going for 32 or 33 million and it's the same asset creating the same amount of cash flow so it's you know you just it's the mindset and the understanding of the whole cycles that will help people take advantage of this time but you know people are scared and they're hesitant to put their money in and you know it's all about risks as well looking at the risks and then mitigating the risks so you know it depends on the cycle but whenever interest rates are up you know you look at okay well, what kind of debt am I, am I going to get on this deal? And so you want to look at, well, what's my interest rate going to be? And is that going to be a variable you know, interest rate? Is that is it going to be a fixed debt loan? Is, you know, if I am going to do variable because I can get lower interest rates, then I'm going to buy a cap. That way it can only float up so high before it's capped, you know, and there's no risk there. So <clears throat> when you buy the, the cap rates, you want to make sure it's for the full term of your loan. That way you don't get into trouble, you know, later on needing to buy a new you know, rate cap. And so um, that's just one example of how you, you just look at where the risks are and look at where the gotchas could be and then just prepare. As long as you go into a deal with preparedness, have, you know, heavy reserves to float you through a bad time. You don't know what that bad time is going to be. You don't know what it's going to look like. You don't know how it's going to come or when. You know, but you want to always have robust reserves to be able to get through that so you don't get in trouble. And you just want to mitigate risk, just like with the debt. You know, if it's going to be a higher interest rate, do your underwriting, figure out if the numbers still work. Maybe the numbers still work, right? How many years ago was it? Wasn't too long. It was in our lifetime. Interest rate was what, 18%, 20%? I mean, people were still making money. And look at people that bought then, you know, how the assets have appreciated since that time as well. And so there's still plenty of money to be made no matter what the interest rates are, but wherever the risks are, if you're approaching it with this risk mitigation strategy, then you're certainly better prepared to be able to go through any difficult or downturns that happen, difficult times or downturns that happen during the life of holding the asset. Well, it's like what Warren Buffett said, 20 years ago was the best time to plant a tree. The second best time is right now. There's always, there's always, things that outside influences or whatnot but it's always now is the best time and you're right Paul 2008 while people were heading clear it's the best time to make money there, there's always a deal to be made there it, it's just like when we went through the pandemic even though nothing's really changed people were either sitting back losing their business or there was those that were pivot pivoting and making money it's just all in your mindset either you have an abundance mindset that hey this isn't going to there's still plenty to be made or if you're in a scarcity mindset if if you're retreating instead of being in the growth phase you're always going to find a reason you know well prices are too high this, you know, it, it, there's no deals to be made. I, I I heard somebody tell me the other day, there's no, there's no deals to be made in like three counties, and and these counties are Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach, which has like probably like three million, four million people. It's like really because that's odd. I'm assuming 
when it comes to real estate, it's it's like a funeral home. There's always going to be, you know, there, there's always going to be demand. It's not like, yeah. they're gonna be, you know what? Can't, can't find a place to live. I'm just going to, you know, we're just going to wait this out in our car for the next four or five, six months until, <laughs> you know, or yeah, I, I, I we're, we just got married. We're not, we're not going to buy a property. We'll, we'll, we'll just, we'll just wait it out and see. No, there's always going to be demand for real estate and there. Yes. Buy and hold most asset classes. You can make money off sound investing, whether it's real estate, whether it's stocks. It, what usually happens though is it's it's people that are uninformed. Two thousand and eight happened because everybody was just buying property that they couldn't afford. The lack of knowledge kills in in every industry. That's why you'll hear people you can't make money off of real estate, <laughs> or yeah, you can't make money off the stocks. Well, yeah, did you see what you're investing in? Because you know. Historically, all every asset class you can you can make complete money and and you know I I love your story because you said it best. You know mo- most people try to shortcoat it. You said the pain. You know pain is pain is an amazing teacher, and and congratulations. Now, how do people find find you guys? I I know how how to find you because Paul's Paul's been texting me. So, but how, 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 how does the purse, how do people, accredited investors and people that have money, professionals that, well, usually they're the ones that listen to podcasts. It's not like the, you know, the others are usually listening to Howard Stern and serious, <laughs> even though they can't afford it, but, but they, they find a way to afford that. How do they find you guys to get off their butt? To start investing and, and putting their money in play because leaving it in the bank that that money's just dying. Yeah, I think for sure. That easiest way is to hop on the website, www.elitewealthandwellness. It's A N D and wellness.com. And they can put their names in there and, and reach out to us. That's the best way, the easiest way to get started. Now, how how often do you guys open up deals? Do you guys find a couple of deals a year or does it just vary? Yeah, go ahead. we typically average about three deals a year. It's been what we've been averaging for the last handful of years. So again, you know, we, we certainly are always on the prowl, but we have some very specific criteria and standards whenever it comes to getting into a deal. So as much as it may be tempting because we know we've got liquidity to deploy, we need to get reinvested and get some nice tax benefits for, you know, before the year is up when, you know, all of these things motivate us, but uh, we we stay very patient. <clears throat> we understand the uh, risks and unwanted consequences of jumping into a deal just because you're that motivated and determined to get into a deal. So now that's why I say, you know, our average is three deals. If we find more than that, that are awesome deals, that the underwriting looks fantastic and the risks are low enough, then we'll get into more than that. And if we don't find enough deals that meet that criteria, I think there was one year it was several years ago, but there was one year where just could not find a deal that really met the criteria. 
again, that we're looking for, which is hedging our, our bets in a beneficial way. So again, we're very risk averse. And so it's nothing's fail proof granted. And, you know, there's crazy things that can happen, of course, but, you know, from our perspective, it's more about the quality of the deal and decreasing risks and, and making sure we're maximizing the, the upsides and the benefits. So we'll get into the deals that make sense, but our average has been about three a year. And where do you see the future for both yourselves and Elite Wealth and Wellness? Where would you like to see you guys as well as the business five years from now? Yeah. So, you know, we've had a lot of time to really think about that question. And we've spent, you know, many years since we started feeling pain as physicians, you know, that's when we started actually blocking time. And specifically, we go on what we call life retreats. We do this multiple times a year where we get away. We bring the kids with us. We turn our phones off. We get out somewhere in nature where we can just have a a blank slate of mind, if you will. And we just enjoy being present with each other and talking about the future. What do we want? Are we happy now? Do we want to change something? You know, what's the pinnacle of happiness for us? What is the fulfillment? What's that going to look like for us when we think we're going to be maximally fulfilled and I think we have a much better handle on that now than we did years ago because we dedicated the time to really think about what makes us happy and what fulfills us in life. And so, you know, where do we see the future? You know, I'll speak for myself and let Paul change or add here. You know, for me, I've rediscovered that I still have a passion to practice medicine, even though I was hurting and I was in a lot of pain from just a whole life perspective at that time that I left the trauma center. I realized that there was a reason I was feeling that pain and my priorities were a little upside down and I I needed to change some things around. And I wasn't sure I was in so much pain at that time that when I left, I wasn't sure if I was coming back to medicine, to be quite honest, but it didn't take much time for me to feel recovered enough that I got clarity and realized, you know, I don't want to give up the practice of medicine. And I just, what the problem for me was that medicine ruled my life. It was my number one. It was where all my time, focus, energy, and attention went to. And that's no equation for success for anybody. You know, as humans, we've got basic human needs. And so I can with confidence say that any person that is that dedicated to one aspect of their life, to one thing where everything else around them, you know, is completely ignored because you're so focused on the one thing that is not a long-term equation to happiness and fulfillment. So we were able to kind of discover that and, and experience it the hard way, unfortunately, but it's the way that we came from. And so, you know, we've discovered that fulfillment and again, I'll speak for me and let Paul add here, you know, fulfillment for me means I've got time to take care of my own health. I've got time to get a good night's sleep. I've got time to have meaningful time with my family, making memories and and taking pictures and enjoying the ride of life, if you will. But that I also have time to give back to society, you know, that I have time to do meaningful work. I get to use the skills that I spent decades developing in medicine. And so, you know, I do want to go. I, I want to practice emergency medicine. I want to practice lifestyle medicine, but I want to do it on my own terms, you know, where it's not the primary focus and everything else has to take a back seat. But instead, I've purposefully integrated it into my days and weeks and months now, such that it's at just the right dose. And, and this fluctuates, you know, I'm still kind of experimenting with what's the exact right dose, you know, but getting the right amount that. I get to experience that fulfillment as well. And it's it's back to the basics of lifestyle medicine and longevity medicine, which is, you know, what, what matters the most? Well, you know, again, 
go back to our, our ancient brains, right? The ones that keep us breathing whenever we're asleep or when we're unconscious, the thing that keeps us alive, you'll go back and, and, and look at that and say, what is it that we need to be able to, to survive and, and to be able to live? And that primal brain, it's going to go after whatever it needs to keep this human body alive, right? And so even on a subconscious level, without realizing it, we might feel implicitly miserable or implicitly happy, you know, but what are, that's our, our emotions trying to speak to us, to tell us, you know, from the primal brain perspective, like something's amiss here. And so just to put it out there explicitly, what do we need? We've got to have a healthful diet, something that really supports our body healing itself and recovering whenever we're down. And when we're sick, you know, we've got to be able to get a good night's sleep. We need seven plus hours of sleep every single night. We've got to move. Our body wants to move. It's how it was created. It's how it was, you know, created to function. It has to move. We cannot be sedentary stress. We cannot be, we can't live our lives day in and day out in this hyper-stimulated state of stress and anxiety. It just doesn't work for long-term health and survival. And we've got to have meaningful work. That's part of the key to fulfillment. And we have to have meaningful, positive social connections. We have to have those relationships that, you know, we feel like we can tell this person, you know, anything and that, you know, we're going to support them. They're going to support us. This is just how humans function. And so all of these things have to be incorporated into one's life in order to really achieve that ultimate fulfillment. And those relationships might be family or it might be outside of family. There's no rule around it, but they've got to be there. No, no, just to summarize that, I think, you know, where we're going to be, I think we're going to continue to grow our portfolio and our investment portfolio. We want to continue to grow our platform so we can make more people aware because awareness is the first step. So we want to broaden that uh, outreach and do those things without losing sight of what you just said. You know, we don't want to find ourselves in a new treadmill where we've lost sight of living and enjoying the journey while trying to build, you know, a platform and a business. So that's where we're at. Beautiful answers, Paul and Miranda. Just one final question. What would you tell that physician or the attorney or the accountant that still doesn't have time to invest, but sitting on the sidelines, needs to take action, needs you guys, you know, invest? What do you tell that person that's still waiting for the right time or waiting for the right opportunity? And you, you really don't want them to feel so much pain that they just yeah pain is a great teacher for some but let, there's easier ways what would you tell those people yeah I, th- I think i would tell them you know one you've got to take the driver's seat of your own de- destiny and that's in finances and that's in life too and, and too many physicians and busy professionals they get on that moving sidewalk and, and they're really not making choices anymore they're just doing the same day over and over so you got to take the driver's seat to do something different to have different results you got to take different actions um the second thing i would tell them is got to have a mindset shift you got to quit working for money and start working for wealth so you got to think about your w2 income as seed money not not as the panacea you know it gives you an opportunity to do something much bigger and the third thing I would say is you got to you got to change your tribe. You've got to get around people who are thinking different, doing different, and that will help keep you motivated to jump in. And, and just like we did, you know, the first time you jump into it, it's it's a little anxiety provoking, but you've got to just just get your foot in the water, get started, and get with a, a tribe that can help you continue to grow and learn. Yeah, that's a great answer. Thank you for your time. Thank you for the opportunity of just asking you guys some serious 
questions and thank you for the knowledge that you've imparted in your story and best of luck on your journey and definitely hope people wisen up hope people realize it's not all about working 80 90 hours a week it's about living their life we were made for so much more and it was absolutely wasn't just to work thank you for your time love you guys and hope you guys just continue just helping not only yourselves but helping out others being in service thank you thanks right. omar thank you it. yeah our pleasure thank you so much what if it be war? What if you took action and made it happen? It's part of living inside of your purpose. What if it be war? Right now you can make the choice to never listen to that negative voice no more. The hardest prison to escape is our own mind. I was trapped inside that prison all for a long time. To make it happen, you gotta take action. Just imagine. What if it did work?